our scripture from today is Matthew 3, 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus answered, Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. The word of the Lord. So uh, today we are in uh, Matthew three thirteen through 17, which Catherine just read. And um, the title of this sermon today is The Fullness of Jesus. Um, but I want to start off with a little reminder. And the reminder is that uh, we need to stop standing over the Bible, standing over the text, standing over scripture. And what I mean by that is oftentimes, especially pastors or spiritual leaders or seminarians or well, people who are professional Bible people, uh, we look at the Bible and we want to master it and we want to know it. And so what I mean by standing over scripture is standing over scripture and uh, understanding it manipulating it or using it uh, rather than placing ourselves under the Bible. Does that make sense? Under scripture and letting it transform us, change us, inform us, master us, lead us. And so there's a big difference between knowing and mastering something as an object. I, didn't, I don't have a real Bible, but saying, you know, here... Little Bible, little Bible, I know you. I understand you. I can explain you. And this is what you mean. And this is what you're saying, right? And making my life about kind of containing this and controlling it versus putting myself under the text, under the scriptures as the living, breathing word of God, right? And uh, submitting myself to the Holy Spirit saying, this is living and breathing. It's more than my iPhone. It's more than the translation, but it's speaking to me. It's God's vehicle and medium for speaking to me and discipling me and mentoring me. Um, so we need to stop standing over the text, uh, and we need to be under the Holy Scriptures, allowing it to change us and transform us. Um, and our passage today is about Jesus' baptism. And two of the other Gospels, John excluded, have examples, or, uh, uh, examples of Jesus' baptism. Um, but we're looking at the Matthew one today. But in Jesus' baptism, we witness an inbreaking, right? An inbreaking. We are people of the inbreaking, right? It's God. Right, the divine breaking into the world, breaking into history, breaking in. And literally, when Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the waters, it says the heavens rended open, right? The heavens tore open. Right? And a voice called out, This is you are my this is my son, who I'm very pleased with. So God in breaking to humanity, into the world. And uh, it's God breaking in. And God um, playing out his 
plan for salvation in the world, right? And not just some, oh, Jesus is getting baptized, right? As a pastor, as a preacher, I can be tempted to make this about baptism, right? Whatever my beliefs about baptism, oh, let's look at Jesus' baptism, and this is why you should get baptized. Or Jesus got baptized just to be a model for his followers, right? Jesus got baptized so he can say, now all of you need to get dunked in water so you can be baptized too, right? Jesus is just like the perfect model. He doesn't really need to get baptized. He just wanted to show like, oh, let me go first. I'm a team captain. I should do it first and show you how to get dunked under. And then we could go on like, all right, my theology of baptism and, you know, you can only be baptized once, or what does baptism mean, or what does baptism of the Holy Spirit mean? And this is what, this is my chance for Sunday to just lay out baptism for you and to stand over the text and say, this is what the Bible says about baptism, right? And that has nothing to do with this passage. This happens because it affirms, it's the fulfillment of who Jesus is. It's the fulfillment of Jesus' identity as the Messiah. And we'll get into this more. But this has to happen because it's God proclaiming, I'm in breaking. And this is a moment in history, right? This is the most important moment in history. And it makes all the difference. Are you with me, church? And so to explain this a little more, I'm going to go back into that. I'm going to... Give an example of that all-time classic movie, right? Classic movie. I'm surprised it never won an Academy Award. But the classic movie, 21 Jump Street, (laughs) starring Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, and Ice Cube. Um, But in that movie, there's this scene where Jonah Hill is kneeling before a, a kind of figure of Jesus. And it's in a Korean church, so... He kneels down, he, he prays to Korean Jesus. He's like, Korean Jesus, right? Can you help me? I don't even know if you are alive or if you're real or if you care. And maybe I shouldn't be cussing while I'm praying, but Korean Jesus, will you, ha- will you help me? Um, and then Ice Cube shows up and says, hey, stop messing with Korean Jesus. And this is, I'm, I'm, being, I'm using clean language. Stop messing with Korean Jesus. He's too busy for your stuff. He's too busy with Korean stuff, right? And so it's really funny because I think that's a really good example of how we tend to categorize Jesus or put God in labels or boxes or say, this is the realm where Jesus is for my life. This is the realm where God must stay for my life. For my convenience, right? That's Korean Jesus over there. Or I need Jesus when I'm in need or I'm desperate for something and I'll call out and pray to him. That's I need you, Jesus, right? Or God is the cosmic vending machine in the sky, right? I just put in my quarters, right? Two prayers and boom, I get my Doritos. Or Jesus is someone, you know who is nice and loving and has like plaques on the wall in my bathroom, right? But doesn't really have power and authority to bring justice in the world or to exact change in the world or to make change in my own heart, right? Or to turn things around or to transform, 
right? Or make a difference in the world, make a difference in my family, make a difference in my own life. We tend to say, Korean Jesus, I don't even know if you care. Maybe you're just worrying about Korean Jesus. And then 22 Jump Street, the sequel to 21 Jump Street, they move to the Vietnamese church across the street and it becomes Vietnamese Jesus, right? But the world will want to nerf Jesus. Do you know what I mean by nerf? So this is a gamer. Janice could explain to you. This is a gamer term. To nerf something. If you, you know what a nerf football is, it's soft. It's not a real football, but it's soft. Right? So to nerf in gaming is, say, uh, your character has a power like it has lightning strike. Um, but the lightning strike is so overpowered, so the creators of the game decide to... Uh, make a patch and adjust it because they don't want that character to be too overpowered with lightning strike. So they nerf the lightning strike. And by that they mean they make it less powerful or they take away its impact so it's not as overpowered. So to nerf something is to make it less powerful, less potent, less whatever, like a nerf football is softer uh, and doesn't hurt as much. So the world will want to nerf Jesus. And Jesus' own followers nerf Jesus. We want to nerf Jesus all the time. We want to stand over Jesus, putting him in his place, mastering Jesusness, knowing Jesusness, rather than putting ourselves under him, in submission to him, letting him change us, letting him correct us, allowing him to have his way with us. So just a little context for our passage today. Um, This is the beginning of Matthew, uh, early chapters of Matthew. And um, as Jesus, the baby Jesus, is being born into the world, and he's growing up to a young man, is starting to begin his public ministry, um, what we need to know is that there has been prophetic silence for over 400 years. So when you read the Old Testament, there's all these prophets, 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 and they're talking to the people of God, the people of Israel, saying, do this, obey, 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 or God will do this, do this, or this will happen. God will redeem you if you're faithful, if you repent, if you humble yourself. But uh, there's been silence. There have been no major or minor prophets uh, for 400 years. And at this time, the religious leaders in Israel and Jerusalem are the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, They were the religious establishments, right? They were the priests, the pastors, the leaders, the missionaries, all the evangelists all rolled up in one. They ruled the temple. They they, uh, knew they were experts of the scrolls, of the the passages of scripture, and they decided what... Uh, laws to follow. They decided what was pure, what was righteous, what was holy, and the people um, were under that, under that religious authority. And yet, um, as we read our passage, John the Baptist is on the scene, and the people are flocking out to the desert, out to the wilderness, to see, to hear from this simple man who had crazy hair. I just imagine John as this, like, a hippie Santa Claus, right? right? Without, the, without the Santa Claus uniform, just like eating locusts and honey, it says. And he had, he had like all this hair and wore like wool and um, just saying all these crazy wise things and people were flocking to him in the desert and he was baptizing people. 
And the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees were getting envious and angry because they're like, we're the religious people, but why are they all going out to John the Baptist? Right? Why are they all, what has he got? What is going on? Surely he must be wrong. Surely he must, there must be something shady about him. Um, and John, his message is basically one of repentance. He's saying two things. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right? The kingdom of God is coming. Right? And he's actually preparing the way for the Messiah, for the prophesied Messiah. He's saying, it's coming. God is in breaking. God is coming. You guys need to re- repent because he's bringing judgment. And the Messiah is coming. And I'm not sure what G- John's kind of perspective or vision of the Messiah, of the coming Messiah was. But I think it was different than who Jesus really was. Because later in chapter 11, you see John sends his disciples, right? John sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one who was sent? Or should we expect someone else? Are you really the one? And here in our passage, right, Jesus comes to John and says, you're baptizing all these people? You need to baptize me. And John, it says, John would have stopped him, right? What was the exact text? John tried to stop him in verse 14. John tried to stop him and said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to be baptized by me, right? And so in John's thinking, he's like, this is the Messiah, right? This, it's right and proper for me. He even said it right before this. Three verses before this, he said, Another one is coming, right, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to, to untie. And I baptize you with water, but he will come and baptize you with fire, right? So John is seeing this Messiah, right? And perhaps this picture is of someone who will bring, like, political authority, right? Who will come and overthrow the things that are established, the establishment, who come in strength and honor and glory. And so uh, everything in John says, man, if Jesus comes, I need to bow down to him. I, I need to, I, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. That's, that's social mores, right? That's polite, right? It's like, you know, I'm Korean. And so I grew up with Korean Jesus. Um, in my household, we actually had, you know, a picture, but it wasn't a Korean Jesus. It was like Sven Jesus. Um, so that I'm confused. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but in Korean culture, we have like kind of respect your elders. There's a strong sense of hierarchy, right? You you speak with uh, kind of formal language to older people. With friends, you can use half half Korean or Panmar, which is, translates to half Korean um, to them, but with parents or elders or older brothers, you, you call them, you use honorific language, and if my dad were to say, you know, you come and teach me the Bible, or you come and let me do this for you, right? It would kind of freak me out. I'd be like, no, 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 no. I should be doing that for you. Right? Or if my, 
if we're being served by, and my mom gives me my soup first or my, my meal first, I, we would, everyone, right, would pass it to my father first, right? Because he's in the position of honor and respect. And so this is what's going on here. John is still tied to kind of the human aspects or definitions of Jesus, who Jesus is. Like, oh, that's not the respectful thing. I, but Jesus is like, no, you have to do this because this needs to happen because it's a fulfillment of the prophecies. It's a fulfillment of the scriptures. I am, and this gets into some theology, I am the faithful Israel, right? I am Israel submitting herself to God. Um, and this is an act. I'm standing in the place of the people. Just as John was saying, you guys need to repent for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus is standing in the place of the people of Israel and saying, right? I, you know, I am submitting myself. And baptism means submersion, right? It's submerging, being submersed in the waters. And that's an act of humility. It's an act of dying to oneself, um, even, even in those times of kind of submitting to God and to God's purposes. So Jesus is standing in that. One commentator says, uh, the narrative has narrowed its focus exclusively upon Jesus. This isn't about our baptism, right, or an example of baptism for us. This is about Jesus and who Jesus is. Through this arrangement, Matthew signals Jesus' unique role, and it is fundamentally a representational role, embodying Israel and his recapitulation of her history. Jesus alone accomplishes this, and the indications that be, he alone is Israel will be further dealt with below. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the heavens open up, right? And in Matthew's version of the baptism, um, God speaks to the God speaks directly to Jesus. Right? You are my son, who I'm well pleased. And this in Matthew, wait, did I say, did I say the others? And the others in Matthew, God, the heavens open up, and God is speaking to the people, right? Speaking to us, the reader, the people, and saying, Jesus, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. This is who he is, right? And everything we've talked about in our Genesis series about God and creation and God's love for his people, right? The greatest love story ever told and like the fall and humanity kind of turning away from God and God continually over and over wanting us, wanting to come back wanting to restore, wanting to redeem and rewrite the story over and over again, right? Just as Jesus crosses through the waters, so the people of Israel crossed, right, the Red Sea to the wilderness or crossed the Jordan into the wilderness, right? Jesus goes and passes through waters, and after this, he goes into the wilderness for his temptation, right? Um, it's all kind of this reenacting of the story. 
God saying, I want to make it right. There's been silence, but I hear the cries of my people, and I want to make it right, and I'm going to make it right through Jesus. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Do you know who this is, right? Rend open heavens. Right? This is a historic moment. This is changing the foundations of the world, right? This is ancient, right? This is, the, this is the one, this person, and it's happening. I'm rewriting the story now. And so when we read Jesus' baptism, we don't read like, we don't try to break it down and be like, what does baptism mean, right? We see an act of God's love breaking in, right? And saying, I'm rewriting the story. And it's through my son, Jesus Christ, right? And it's happening this way. And he's taking on, he's taking it all on. He's taking you on, your story on, right? And he's going to redeem it. And he's going to make it right. Um, do you know what your future is, right? Our future is to one day be resurrected bodies right? and to be in glory with God. And um, there's so many things that would say to us, man, your story, it's a dead end, right? Or your story, you're broken, right? The best that you could have is like, you know, this, a pretty good novel, but uh, not a best-selling novel, right? Or you already messed it up, right? The plot can't go, it's stuck. And whatever it is in your life that maybe has you stuck or maybe uh, puts you in a place where, man, I don't know um, if I can come to Jesus, if I can come to God. Or I don't know if I have access to Jesus or God. Or our friends and our neighbors, the people that we know, don't feel hope or have a hope. Where can I go with this? Right? And we tend to nerf Jesus. Right? We either say, like some of us perfectionists say, I can't come to church. Or I can't. I still have this word. I'm a pastor and I've been trained theologically. Right? I know the Bible. I stand above scripture and I stand under it. No. Uh, <laughs> and I still have this thing in me as like, when I sin or do something bad, I still hide, right? And I still feel like, oh, I gotta clean myself off and wipe myself off before I can pray or like have a quiet time or be with or talk to God. He doesn't wanna listen to me. Every time I mess up, maybe give it five days or so, right? Because I think it's like my parents, right? I'm in the doghouse, right? I'm in God doghouse. Right? I can't, he doesn't wanna talk to me for like five days. Right? Until I'm clean and we're like scrubbing, scrubbing, right? Or like, you know, some of us were like, oh, I don't know if I can go to church, you know, I have to face David. He's going to be like, how's your faith like going? And I'm going to be like, uh, you know, right? 
And we think that. So on one side, we think, oh, we got to be perfect in order to be cleansed, in order to be redeemed, in order to have our story to receive grace and have our story rewritten. Right? And on the other side, as soon as I remember what I was going to say on the other side, we just think that Jesus doesn't care. He's not strong enough. Right? He doesn't have, right? It's happy Jesus over there. Right? It's Korean Jesus or it's, you know, happy Jesus, green Jesus, but he doesn't care that uh, I'm in an abusive relationship, right? Or, you know, I feel despair sometimes and I can't get out of my bed and I don't know what can change that. Or I can't live in Seattle anymore (laughs) with this rain and people being so fake, right? I'm so lonely and yet I have to smile (laughs) whatever it is uh, we nerf Jesus and we're like ah right he's not gonna do that he doesn't want to do that right just like John I'm not no you don't you don't really you're not really asking me to baptize you you don't mean that Jesus or Peter in the other place in scripture, no, don't wash me. I, I should wash you, or no, don't wash me. I'm not worthy. Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. And then Peter's like, oh, wash all of me, right? We're just back and forth, right? And we don't just let ourselves submit and stand under Jesus, under the lordship of Jesus, and let, allow Jesus to be who he is, allow God to be God in our life, amen? And to blow away our perspective, to blow us away with what he can do, to blow us away of how he can transform our hearts. And it makes a big difference, right? Jesus' baptism means all of that. It means God has come, Emmanuel, God with us, and he cares, and he's doing something to change. Right? And he cares about the people coming, wanting, the people are coming to John the Baptist, wanting to be baptized. And in context, baptism in those days, was like, they baptized before Jesus, before they were Christians, there was baptism. Oh, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a great fact in and of itself. But why did they do baptism before Christians were around? Baptism uh, was a form of cleansing. One, one thing was it was a form of cleansing. So a rite of purification, right? So there's all these things that could make you unclean. So baptism was a way of cleansing. And later on, as uh, other people, Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, people who weren't Jews by ethnicity were coming into the faith and they called them God-fearers, right? Wanting to be adopted and grafted in um, to the Jewish faith, to believe in God and Yahweh, they would be baptized. And it was a way of submitting yourself um, and, and being made new. So a lot of like similar things um, are happening. But all, all this is to say it's an act of submission in those days. And people were wanting, were cut to the heart by John's message. And they were wanting something. And they weren't getting it. Right? right? They were going to the temple. They grew up. Jewish, right? 
and they're wanting it, wanting it, and they saw hypocrisy or they saw it was just powerless. It just didn't reach them, but they wanted to hear from God. They wanted God to break into their lives with meaning, right? And this is what Jesus' baptism means is. It's now here. It's now happening. It's now possible. And it's for all of you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your word. And thank you for your baptism. That in it you declare that you are the Messiah and that you are the Son of God. And that this is good news for us. This is the gospel of good news. um, That we have salvation through you and in you. And there are waters refreshing for us. And um, that you have power. And and that the foundations are being shaken and changed. Um, Will you shake our foundations? Will you open up the skies and come to us as we cry out to you? Um, Whatever our struggles, whatever our needs, um, wherever... uh, the mountains are um, that are insurmountable or the weights that are too heavy uh, to carry for us. Um, The change that we would never believe could happen in our lives, in our relationships, the irreconcilable differences between us and family members or friends. Um, You are a God um, who can turn the story. You are the God who can flip the script and are constantly working to um, bring us back into your story, bring us back into new story. We lift these things up in your name. Amen.